We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show. This is episode 29. We're going to be breaking everything that went down on Saturday afternoons. The Gamecocks get their fifth SEC win on the year. Seventh overall win as they beat the Florida Gators 28-20. to uh, But first, as always, if you do want to follow the show, be sure to check us out on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Be sure to go there, rate, subscribe, tell us you like, tell us you don't like about the show. We appreciate all of you guys' feedback, of course. Also, be sure to follow us on our Twitter account at armchair s car that's going to be at armchair s c a r check us out on instagram as well at armchair s carolina uh and this is a podcast of course brought to you by the armchair all americans armchairallamericans.com localizing your sports coverage content be sure to go to armchairallamericans.com to check out not only the show but our south carolina gamecocks uh breaking news all the content as well as everything else on the website as well um so as always i'm your host chris phillips joined as always again by my colleague Tyler Clark, who's stationed in Columbia, South Carolina. And Tyler, like I said, the Gamecocks moved to 7-3, and 5-3 and three in the SEC. First five-win um, SEC season and first, you know, over 500 SEC season since 2013. I know you and I were both there on Saturday. So, like I said, it wasn't the – maybe it wasn't the prettiest of games, but the Gamecocks get an eight-point victory. Um, and like I said, move uh, just that much closer to kind of reaching their goals for this season. Talk about your initial reactions from the game, kind of what you saw on Saturday. Well, it was a bigger crowd than, I, than I've seen in a noon game in a long time, and uh, they were ready to go. It was a lot of fun. It was way more fun than I thought uh, I was going to have when I got there. Uh, but a ton of people, great crowd. And it was just another one of those, you know, close games that South Carolina never, like, lost control of. Like <laughs> – We've seen that in the Vanderbilt game. Um, it just it, it just feels that way. It's it's a weird feeling. Um, but I, I really like what we saw on offense other than the way Jake Bentley played. He didn't play well at all. Um, but the two-headed monster, if you will, of Turner and Denson, uh, if you would have, how about that? Like, what, what if we had a time machine and at the beginning of the year we were just sitting here and we're like, yeah, by the end of the year, Mon Denson and A.J. Turner are just going to, they're both going to go off one game against against Florida, who's picked to win the East this year. Uh, it turned out well, but uh, they look great. That was fun to watch. Uh, definitely, definitely opened up the playbook a little bit and stuff we haven't seen all year. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, like you said, the balance was great. Yeah, it was it was definitely a weird game in the sense that <clears throat> I told my buddy I was sitting with it, and it, it kind of sort of went how I thought it would. Not, I mean, the crazy game, but yeah, it was sort of the sense where you just always felt like like South Carolina was in control of the football game. I never, for once, really felt like you know the Gamecocks were going to lose the game. They definitely tried to make it interesting there at the end when uh, you know defenses again relied upon to come up with a big stop to kind of seal the deal and you know close the door, but. Yeah, never really a game. I mean, Florida, let me say this first. Florida, and I give all South Carolina credit, but Florida is bad. They, <laughs> they, are, they are really bad. And honestly, I was more nervous after Malik Zaire got taken out and they put in Felipe Franks because I think he's – I mean, he's not good by any stretch of the imagination, but, man, Malik Zaire, every time he dropped back to throw, I was like, this is a win for South Carolina. Like, he, he, he can't throw the football – for anything. I mean, I thought their best chance coming in that game was using him more so in like a read option type, you know, role there. But, you know, they came out throwing. I think the first three plays of the game were throws and, you know, he stayed in under, you know, in under rest all day long. I mean, you know, you had uh, Dante Sawyer, DJ Wanham, Danny Fennell, I know one, Jamarcus King getting a sack. I mean, just <laughs> they, they were all over him all day long. So, you that, know, Frank's came in. was awesome. Because there's there's a running back and you could see the quarterback pointing. They're like, "Hey, he's gonna blitz." He's pointing at Jamarcus King for like four seconds, and the running back just goes up to him, doesn't even try to block him. Jamarcus King just free sack. It was amazing. It kind of reminded me of the Stephon Gilmore sack in the Alabama game. I know it's kind of. <laughs> I just feel like that's the last time I've seen a corner get a sack really that I can remember. But uh, sack ever. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I completely agree with you though as well, Jake Bentley. Definitely, I think I'm, I think a lot of South Carolina fans will agree that it was probably his worst performance as a Gamecock. It was again a weird game for him though. Uh, Nineteen to twenty nine, two hundred forty nine yards, but he had three interceptions on. He was pretty bad at Florida this, last year in, in Clemson. I don't say I won't yeah. say it's his worst because he had the two rushing touchdowns, but he didn't throw the ball well at all. Right, and I mean, and even with that, like he. You know, he had the one play where he just was in his own end zone and just threw it up without looking oh. and almost seeing. And, oh, that you know, awesome. Hayden Hurst comes up with a miracle catch. I remember just sitting there just, you know, I don't know. And then obviously the first one that he threw on the miscommunication with Brian Edwards turned out to be probably one of the craziest plays in football you'll ever see where the cornerback gets the interception, looks like he's going to run in for a pick six. Hayden Hurst makes a great play punching the ball out. A.J. Turner then picks it up in his own end zone and runs it to the 24-yard line for a first down. So that was just the kind of day it was, the kind of game it was. I mean, it was a wacky game, honestly. Really entertaining, fun to watch. but It was a fun game. Just a very, very strange game. Um, the other the other interception, though, I remember, you know, obviously, was uh, Bentley. South Carolina had the ball in Florida, I, I think, like, what, five or ten? You know, in, in somewhere between the five or ten, and – I remember I was sitting in that end zone, Tyler, and, you know, Bentley dropped back. And I said, as soon as he dropped back, I said, Hayden Hurst, the wheel route. That's who he was going to. And it looked – honestly, it looked wide open. I would have made the same throw. The guy really, to his credit, made a great play, and I thought kind of came out of nowhere. But he threw it a little bit late. The Florida guy had just enough of a break on it to make the interception. But, man, that play, I mean, if he threw it out earlier, it was there. Because he yeah, – oh, yeah. Hayden Hurst, like he was on an island by himself at first. But – yeah, I mean, a bit of a rough game for Jake Bentley. You know, you kind of hope he flushes it out of his system. I mean, it's, you know, at least nice to see he can play that bad of a game in South Carolina still win. Like you said, the rushing attack. Uh, A.J. Turner just continues to improve. He had 22 carries for 136 yards. Um, 
And then Mon Denson, like you said, 13 carries for 61 yards, averaged just a touch under five yards a carry, had two rushing touchdowns, including my favorite probably, which was the one on the fourth and one, yes. where he burst through the middle, went into your end zone. Um, yeah, he's just like a little bowling ball back there, man. I tell you, it's crazy. He's, you know, like you said, I would have never thought. I mean, I guess he was probably what fourth string. Yeah, it's fourth string running back. the season, and you know, kind of has that Brandon Wilds effect, if you will, sort of buried on the depth chart, and you know, here he is. So, I, I thought the big key too, Tyler, was again we've talked about it before the running ability of Jake Bentley. He, you know, only had eight carries for fourteen yards, but he ran in for two touchdowns, one on a scramble, one on a uh, RPO read option play, if you will, where he made the right read. Uh, ran it in so I just thought that was huge to see him uh, you know see him use his legs I just think it's something we've talked about I think it's something he needs to do um, I, I, I mean I, you don't want to put your guy out there in harm's way but I just think in college football now it, it's just so pivotal pivotal to be able to move your quarterback around and give him that that extra weapon if you will yeah that, that first one it was another one of those situations I know you had a better look at it than I did because we were looking all the way across the field but it, it felt like the uh, the touchdown against Vanderbilt where it looked like he was going to slide. I thought he was going to run out of bounds, and he just makes like the, the simplest juke of all time and just walks into the end zone. So I was pleasantly surprised at that. Um, another play, I was trying to think of what it was. The shy, Was it Shy Smith that caught the one-handed pass down the The one-handed sideline? catch that was down the Holy south end zone. Yeah, it, was a great, was, it was a great catch. That was beautiful. Because you couldn't see from our end, once again, that it was one-handed. And you look at the scoreboard, you're like, holy crap. Um, so, yeah, a couple one-handed catches. I for, kind of forgot about those because that just pads uh, Jake Bentley's numbers because they weren't the best throws of all time, but they are great catches. Um, yeah, but like you said, I mean, Jake Bentley didn't play well and you still win. You know, it's a conference game regardless of how bad Florida is. Um, but that, everybody else stepped up, so. I mean, I, he, he still definitely made some good throws, but the good thing is I was going to say as well is you may be on a day when Jake Bentley didn't have his best stuff. I mean, he still threw for 249, but you ran for 220 yards, which is just <clears throat> just huge. I mean, the offensive line was able to, I thought, their will on Florida really pushed them around. I, I thought, Tyler, you know, tell me what you think, but I, I thought South Carolina went to the perimeter a lot more, didn't just run the ball straight up the middle every time. I actually – you know, commended Kurt Roper a little bit on the play calling on Saturday. I thought it was a little bit better. Uh, I thought definitely, you know, the third and one, fourth and one, where you run the same play at the middle twice was an area where, you yeah. know, you could you could have went with a wrinkle. But, um, I, I mean, I thought the play calling was, was fairly well. I mean, it was a game where South Carolina really should have scored, you know, 42 points. I mean, if not for turnovers, you know, I mean, you have that one, you throw the pick in the end zone. I mean, it, there's only so much I, I'll give at least Kurt Roper some, the heat off of him there is like he all he can do is call the play he can't you know throw it for Jake Bentley too and it's you know you got to be when you're down there especially if you're not 100% sure you know you can't put the ball in harm's way you just can't do that that's that's on Jake Bentley he knows that and you know obviously he's going to work to correct it but um you know overall an encouraging performance I mean like I said definitely to get the running game going as well I mean 220 yards rushing um Hadn't seen a South Carolina offense run like that, I feel like, in a while. Again, A.J. Turner, like you said, looks like he's getting faster every week. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he – I actually listened to, you know, one SEC guy talk to – I think it was yesterday about how he feels A.J. Turner has the potential to be, like, a, a star in the league. And, you know, I knew Turner was good from last year, but, you know, never he's really knew. Really hard, too. It's not just speed. Yeah. He's running hard. He's breaking tackles. He's catching passes. He's just tough. Yeah, he's doing a little bit of everything. I mean, he – 
you know, I remember the one the one pass that he caught where Jake Bentley was under duress and sort of underthrew it. And he makes the catch and jukes out the guy. It actually helps him juke out the defender. It's like 15 yards. I mean, it's, you know, he's playing great football. And then, you know, obviously touching on the receiving core as well. It was nice. I mean, Bentley actually, you know, for, for what he did, 19 completions. Let's see, he completed it to two, four, six, seven different receivers. Running backs or receivers, if you will. So, you know, able to spread the ball around. Brian Edwards, again, has a solid day. Ortre Smith led the way, actually. Five catches for 60 yards. So, uh, Hayden, five for 59. So, uh, you know, just great to see. So, on the other side of the football, um, the South Carolina defense, I mean, what can you say? They came to play as well. I forget what the total number. looks like they forced uh, three fumbles and, let's see, three fumbles and one pick. So, four turnovers in total. Um, I mean, the South Carolina defense came to play. It was absolutely swarming Florida. Held them to just 78 yards rushing. Um, 223 yards passing I thought was a little skewed just because of you know, you get late in the game. Felipe Franks completes the the miracle Hail Mary, if you will, where his own guy basically tackles him at the one-yard line. That was the worst holding I've ever seen that didn't get called. Holy – Yeah, I remember I remember seeing your tweet saying that a preschooler could have called Because we're, I was literally – we were at a perfect <laughs> angle, and you could just see he had two hands, like, on his collar. I was like, how are you not going to call holding right there? Yeah. No, it was – yeah. I mean, SEC refs, yeah. you just, you know – he kind of just is what it is. But like we said, Jamarcus King had a sack. Danny Fennell, DJ Wanham. Aaron Sterling, I thought. I had a say. That was awesome to see. Had a big sack for a huge loss. So, hey, South Carolina's defensive front, the front seven, just stayed in the backfield all day long. You know, obviously made life hell for, uh, you know, Malik Zaire. And then once he went out, I thought, you know, Felipe Franks still stayed running for his life. Jamias Williams ended the game with the interception. You know, Tyler, it's just it's it's just great to see this defense. Again, I saw the stat today on Twitter where South Carolina is tied for Alabama since the start of the 2016 season with 45 takeaways. For the most takeaways in the conference. It's just it's great to see this defense continuously week after week. I feel like just just get better and better. And you know, it's it's only you know, who knows from here how much better this defense will get when Muschamp, you know, is able to kind of build some more depth and get his players in there. It's just really encouraging to see. Yeah, I mean it's it's like they're not the most they're not the best defense in the SEC but they make the best of their opportunities so i mean you miss you miss your coverage and you give up say 20 yards the next play you can force a fumble and you're good we've seen that a lot this year a guy just you know makes an awful play and then he'll come back and make a great play um, so it's that the next man up type stuff we keep hearing every single press conference but i mean they it's almost like they really do live by it so what now what i made a horrible play right here but let me just force the fumble the next play and they're doing it all without Bryson on Williams, something that nobody even yep. talks about. I mean, it's no one talks about that at all. Crazy. It's all Debo and Rico, but you know, without Bryson on Williams, like we were talking about it uh, before the season even started, he's like the quarterback of the defense uh, without Sky Moore last year. And coming in, we thought those two were going to be fantastic. And Sky Moore's been great, uh, but the defense has played so much better than we thought they ever could without, with and without uh, Bryson Allen Williams. And I was just looking at the stats too. You know, it's a crazy stat. Scott Morley had one tackle, and TJ wow. Brunson only had two. So, hey, pretty, now he's uh, only two behind uh, TJ Brunson. Yeah, exactly. The uh, I tell you what, one guy I definitely don't want to. You know, I don't want to skip over the defense without talking about this guy, Javon Kinlaw. He's I mean, going to be playing on Sundays, man. He, Holy crap! He's going to be playing for a long time. I know. I know you know what play I'm about to bring up. The one yes. where. 
Uh, Steven Montag kind of slows him down, and Javon Kinlaw just comes in full speed. I don't know if you heard the Taylor Stallworth quote from today, yeah. <laughs> or from uh, Saturday's press conference when he yeah. said that he, he said, oh, my only thought was somebody better call the ambulance. <laughs> I mean, he, he is uh, he I've is never a mountain seen of a, a dude. defensive lineman, and it's not even a defensive end. He's just an interior lineman who somehow gets over there. Like, how, how does that happen? The fact that that massive body can move that quickly is scary. And it's just it's another really development scary. that we've seen. You know, he's lost so much weight, and the coaches, like, forced him to lose that weight, and he had to earn his snaps as it went on. He's he's playing – I mean, he's a, a true freshman. Now. Yeah. He's no, a he's, true freshman. I mean, is he, is he a preseason All-SEC player next year? I mean, he's, he's that good. I mean, I mean he's that good. I thought he was Juco. No, he well, so he is JUCO. That's right, he is a JUCO. So he's player. at least a sophomore. Yeah, he, I think he's a sophomore. He's but, still a young guy. But going guy, from JUCO to SEC and making that kind of play after you lose, like, what is it, like forty something pounds? He's lost. Right. It's, no. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. And he's so crazy, big. So. He's he's hilarious too. That's what makes it so so much better. Yeah, that was the next thing I was going to bring up. I know it. It was uh, we talked. You talked a little bit about kind of the crowd. I was also. I was pretty impressed. I think the official number was a shade under eighty thousand, and I was sitting with a, a buddy of mine, and basically just kind of said that that number probably would have been way higher if Florida would have had you know any type of crowd there. I, their crowd was extremely light, especially in the upper deck. But yeah, just a shade under eighty thousand. I mean, I thought it was a really good crowd. Um, you know, especially for a noon kickoff. I mean. As abysmal as Florida is, I mean, people still showed up to watch, but the, uh, you know, I think that the, uh, the, the end game DJ had his first, uh, <laughs> first really big impact on a game, you know, with the knuck if you buck before each drive and then a little bit of a little Uzi Vert, which the players loved. And I, I mean, it was awesome to see. They start jumping around, the student section starts going nuts, and then the whole stadium kind of started feeling so. That was a lot of fun. That was a ton. It of was fun. a really, really fun game. I forgot about the music. I mean, it, it's just so different. It wasn't like Sweet Caroline and country music and weird stuff. It was just like, how else are you going to get hyped for a noon game? I, I thought that's what they capitalized on the most with the DJ. You know, it got people excited for a noon game. Yeah, and, and I know that. I know that some of the older fans have complained about you oh, know they hate the, the music they play. But <laughs> honestly, if it gets the players pumped, it's going to get the rest of the stadium pumped, and that's really yeah. all you want. That's all you can ask for. But I saw a funny tweet. I think it was Monday. Somebody said, uh, I hereby elect that the DJ played knuck if you buck before every <laughs> defensive drive against Clemson. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like I said, a, a good win nonetheless. I mean, a win in the SEC, no matter how the how the opponent is. I mean, you know, people will say what they want about the SEC East this year being down or whatever. But, you know, the main key is that when the SEC East is down or your side of the conference is down, You've got to take advantage. And, I mean, South Carolina being 7-3, and three, second in the SEC East. They've got a really good chance to finish second because Kentucky goes to Georgia this weekend, and God knows what Georgia's about to do to the next person they play. Um, it's at Georgia. But, uh, it's at Georgia. Oh, man, that's going to be a slaughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, they go there. If Kentucky loses, South Carolina will finish second in the SEC East in uh, Will Muschamp's second season, which, I mean, I think is – Two years after you know, three and nine. Two years after three and nine, yeah, not even a full two years. And last either, year so. you were two and four to start the year. That's what. That's another thing that doesn't get talked about that much. You go three and nine, and then you go two and four to start the next season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, the staff's done a fantastic job. I mean, just I really just think changing the culture, changing the complete mindset. I mean, the the insertion of Jake Bentley helped that as well. But just getting the belief back around the program has been 
been fun to watch. And I mean, you know, you can only hope it continues here, especially in the last two games. So we'll move right into our uh, armchair American game balls. Uh, Tyler, I'll let you start this time. I'm going to give it to Mon Denson because <laughs> you're a four string running back to start of the year. And he's been pretty much in the rotation for three games now. And he go out and score two touchdowns. I don't think any Gamecock has scored two touchdowns this year on offense, not other than Jake Bentley, of course, and Debo. Uh, but definitely not on the ground. No one's even sniffed two touchdowns. So uh, Mon Denson gets it because another reason, we haven't seen any any success running the ball up the middle. It hasn't happened all year. But somehow Mon Denson, I guess that's his, I guess that's his thing. On defense, yeah. You have to give it to uh, Javon Kinlaw. He's just a freak of nature. Yeah, I want to see the initial, the uh, official, I said, excuse me, stats here for Kinlaw. He had, let's see, he had. Four tackles, four solos. There you go. Yeah, four tackles, a tackle for loss. But his his impact, I mean, just, you know, I I remember once, I I don't remember exactly what the play was, but I remember watching the replay on the big board and see on the field. I mean, it's a play where he's trying to go up the middle, and there's literally two guys, like a guy on each shoulder, holding him back. Yeah, he's just like, that, that's the kind. Every play. That's the type of impact he has in the middle of an offensive line. It's, you know, it, it's it's very easy to see if you're watching the game. It's hard to miss that guy. Um, but you know, moving into mine, I'm going to go a little different direction. I normally go on offense. I'm going to give my game ball to Zach Bailey. I thought Zach Bailey had a great game. There are a couple plays where you could see him. 10, 15 yards down the field making blocks in the running game. And I just think he's a guy that his impact probably doesn't get talked about enough. I mean, you know, having him back in the offensive line and Corey Helms as well. But I think Zach Bailey just being that leader on the offensive line since he's come back, South Carolina's been able to really establish establish a running game and has has given Jake Bentley time to throw. I definitely don't think that was the issue on Saturday. So going to give it to Bailey. Uh, and in defense, this one was a tough one. I'm – I think I'm going to go with Jamias Williams just to seal the deal, just to see the the progression he's made as a freshman. Um, I know he's questionable to play this weekend with a shoulder. We had Alex Reynolds report last last night that he saw him at the basketball game in a sling, and I know he walked off the field Saturday uh, with kind of a shoulder issue, but thought he had a really good game. Like I said, had the pick to seal the game on defense uh, on kind of a tipped-up ball that sort of reminded me of the Devontae Hollow interception against Georgia back in 2012 where he sort of dove in the middle of the pile. But either way – uh, I'll give it to Jamias Williams for his uh, his outstanding play, not just for Saturday, but the entire season. Um, so moving forward, we're going to look into – it's not Clemson week quite yet. The Gamecocks on Saturday will host the Wofford Terriers at 4 o'clock uh, on SEC Network Plus, which I thought was sort of interesting. It's not on the actual SEC Network. SEC Network Plus is what the game will be on. Uh, again, in williams Bryce Stadium, South Carolina leads the overall series 19-4. to Apparently, Wofford was really good back in the late 1800s, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> I think they won a couple against South Carolina. Uh, and the last time they met was actually back in 2012. South Carolina beat Wofford 24-7. to um, The Terriers are 9-1. and They're in the FCS, obviously, and they're coached by Mike Mike Ayers, who was a guy who started there in 1988. Will Muschamp made a comment today saying he was in middle school and Mike Ayers was started as the head coach for them. I so, wasn't thought about yeah, exactly. So the uh, you know the first thing I just want before we even get to breaking down the game, it's it's funny, Tyler. You know, with these games, it's funny and really not funny to be honest. How you know South Carolina? I mean, I can just think of every game South Carolina's played Wofford. It's been a struggle. I mean, there I don't think there's been many of them where it's been really really comfortable. I mean, you think about like I said, 2012. I mean, this is this is one of South Carolina's best teams ever in school history. They beat them 24 seven. 
And if I remember correctly, I mean, like that, that was a slugfest. You know, they had another game. I remember specifically, I know I'm forgetting one more, but the other game I think of first that comes to mind is 2006, I believe. Um, yeah, 2006, South Carolina hosts Wofford. They had to stop Wofford at South Carolina's own, at the South Carolina five yard line. Uh, and Cody, Cody, uh, Cody Wells runs the fumble back. He, I think he intercepted the pitch or something, ran it back like the 50. But that was a close – like a one-score game as well. So, I mean, it's it's been crazy, Tyler, how, you know, South Carolina, they seem to schedule these these in-state, these option teams, if you will. And it just – man, it's it's been a struggle. That's awful. I hate, wa- I hate watching South Carolina play option teams. Um, I remember – I guess this had to be mid-2000s, probably 07 we played Navy. I don't know if you remember that. We almost oh, lost yeah. that game. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, the Citadel. Um, Got to bring that up. Uh, Got to bring just, it up. It's just a struggle. Um, I was listening to – I don't know. I don't remember. It might have been Heath Klein, and they were talking about why schedule a game like this. Like, because you can win. You can beat Wofford by 50, and people will be like, oh, okay, you beat Wofford by 50. Cool, they suck. Or if you struggle with them, you're like, oh, man, South Carolina sucks. So, you, <laughs> there's no uh, – there's no in between here because they're a really good football team. Yeah, I mean, that kind of reminds me of like you're saying, you can beat them by 50. It doesn't matter when South Carolina in 2013 beat Coastal Carolina by 50 points. And I don't think anybody really, really gave a crap when it came to the next week. So, um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, Wofford will come in ready to play. Mike Ayers is a really good head coach. I mean, like I said, Wofford is nine and one. So they're, they're a really good football team. I'm sure the one loss was a, a pretty high D1 team. I'm sure they played. Yeah. Too. Yeah, and actually, I think they lost to Samford, I want to say. Oh, okay, never mind. Kind of, weird, kind of a weird law, but I think they're top ten in the FCS. I mean, yeah. really solid. Again, run that type of option. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a test for South Carolina. I mean, something that they don't normally see, even though Will Muschamp did say today that they kind of somewhat practice that a little bit. That this you know, at least with the cut blocking. I mean, I'll be interested to see kind of how they attack that on defense. But you know, Tyler, as I, as I mentioned before, I mean, you got to bring it up. South Carolina just came off a big win against Florida. They play Clemson next weekend uh, in a huge game that'll be at home. You know, do you think there's any chance that South Carolina overlooks Wofford, or do you think that Will Muschamp has his guys locked in? You know, I'll, I'll always say the same thing when we talk about like looking ahead, but this one I can actually see. Um, there's just been so much Carolina Clemson stuff on Twitter the last couple of days, just because it got announced as a night game. Um. And historically, you don't have a good record against uh, against uh, lower competition in the last couple of years. You got Louisiana Tech, you got the Citadel. Um, I feel like there was one last year. Who did we play last year? U- UMass. Well, I know UMass. UMass. You didn't really blow them out right. either. You, they stayed in the whole game. See, we haven't run away with one of these games in a long time, and it's just a weird. It's a weird feeling going into this game. Yeah, and no, I agree. Like you said, I mean, I think you only have area to lose i mean you know the best case scenario in this game is that you jump out ahead you get it like 21 nothing 28 nothing and you know you get to the second half of that type of lead and you're able to get some younger guys in the game and that's what you really hope for but like you said south carolina hasn't hasn't had the chance to do that because they haven't jumped out of that big of a lead i mean i, I think i think will muschamp and staff are going to do their absolute best to keep the guys locked in i mean i, I think they better stay locked in or Honestly, I think Wofford come out and punch him in the mouth and come out seven nothing. You said <laughs> they're like, well, I think it's time to wake up and play now. So I think this being a four o'clock game instead of a noon game definitely helps. I mean, I think it always helps. Um, 
but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's been a lot of South Carolina Clemson talk on Twitter. I kind of tried to curb it a little bit. I had to put the hashtag beat Wofford on the, uh, <laughs> on the page. Just to be like, Hey, let's not forget South Carolina actually plays Wofford this weekend, but yeah, it's been a strange, it's been a strange week. I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think with other teams, I may have been a little more nervous. I think we'll must chant. We'll keep them locked in, but I, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, this is going to be some game where South Carolina, you know, pulls away really big and we'll obviously have our predictions in a little bit. So I think I'll, I'll save it of course, but um you know, again, we, we talked about South Carolina's, you know, been very aggressive, Tyler, on defense. They've forced 45 turnovers since last year. Tied with Alabama, you know, most in the country um, in that regard. You know, I think it's going to be really interesting, again, like I mentioned earlier, how without a guy like Bryce now and Williams, who I think would be huge in this type of game oh, against yeah. this against this type of offense, the triple, op- the triple option. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how they're able to – what type, how aggressive they really are on defense. Because Will Muschamp was talking today about, you know, how you really have to make sure you stay up, stay on your feet, don't let the guy cut block you. On that, we're very, very strong about cut blocking, how it should be be outlawed, if you will, for player safety. But, you know, I, I'm just really interested. I, I do say – I will say I do like the matchup for South Carolina simply because you've got guys like Taylor Stallworth and Javon Kinlaw in the middle that can plug a hole. You've got guys like – you know, DJ Wanham and Dante Sawyer on the outside, they can really bull rush. You know, not only guys that are really quick, but are, have some size to them. And then from the linebacker perspective, you've got guys like Sherrod Green, who's a dude that's a really, really big guy that will be able to plug a hole. And then guys that are just instinctual players like Sky Moore and TJ Brunson. So South Carolina should be able, I I think in my opinion, you know, even with a different scheme to match up, as far as just athletically and Oh yeah, the, the, the skill set and the talent of the players they have, they should they should be able to not only you know match up, but possibly overwhelm that Wofford attack. Yeah, I think it's not that uh, South Carolina is not way more athletic and way more talented than Wofford. It's just the aspect of seeing something you've never seen before, and it's so there's so many open field tackles. Um, and you know, at the beginning of the year, uh, we praise the tackling, open field tackles, and stuff like that. But the last couple games, it hasn't been that sharp. So, I mean, it, it's not the aspect that Wofford is more talented, but eh, it's I, just I weird. Do, yeah, and I do agree with you, though, because you were talking about Heath Klein earlier talking about on 175 the game. How this game doesn't benefit you at all. You know, I also heard it from another perspective of this is that, you know, it'd be different if South Carolina did play like a Georgia Tech on their schedule every year if they played a different option team. But it just kind of seems silly to schedule this – this option team out of nowhere, then you your rival obviously you play the next week doesn't run anything like that. It doesn't exactly. It doesn't seem to benefit you in any way whatsoever. So I, I have to agree there. Um, so you know Tyler, really, I'll, I'll ask you because you know I think that this this game is huge. Obviously, I don't want to jump into next week until next week, but I do have to ask as far as pertaining to this game. You know, what do you think we need to see from South Carolina this week specifically? You know, before heading into the big matchup next weekend that you know, maybe we either we haven't seen or we haven't seen enough of. What does South Carolina need to do to make South Carolina fans, you know, their coaching staff and the players feel good moving into a huge pivotal rivalry matchup the following weekend? And, and we keep talking about defense, but I think um, in a game like this, when, you, you know, O'Alford will just be running the ball the whole time, the clock will be running the whole time as well. So, you know, you're going to have limited snaps on offense and limited chances to go down the field and score. And if you don't capitalize um, on scoring opportunities – you know, you can find yourself in a really, really low-scoring game, which, you know, probably wouldn't be in South Carolina's favor if, because, you know, Wofford's naturally going to probably win nas- um, time of possession in this game. 
So if you don't score on offense and you don't, you know, impose your will, because there's no way the uh, the front seven for Wofford should be able to match up with South Carolina's offensive line. There's just no way. Um, so the offensive line's going to need to throw them around a little bit, and we're going to need to see this. Uh, we're just going to have to run it back down their throats a little bit, you know, to even out the time of possession, because defense is going to be gassed no matter what. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I I think for sure we're going to need to see that balance again because again, is it, it South Carolina should be able to run the football against these guys, and just from a size perspective, the size advantage that South Carolina's offensive line will have, the speed. Uh, but yeah, definitely wanting to see. I, I definitely want to see Jake Bentley getting a rhythm. I mean, this is again, you know, the type of game where Jake Bentley should be able to kind of get his guys going. Brian Edwards or Trey Smith, Shy Smith, Hayden, you know, all these guys should really be able to even hopefully, you know, I'd like to see guys like Chad Terrell get in there. Chavis Dawkins get more of a, you know, involved role, kind of develop some of the, the uh, lesser used receivers, if you will. Um, one of the things I, I agree completely with you. I think it's just going to be huge for South Carolina red zone offense and red zone defense as well. I mean, I think that's been a huge stressor for them, you know, throughout the entire season and also third down offense and defense staying on the field and then, you know, I, I I can't imagine. I mean, it's going to be key to keep Wofford in third and longs because you know you get them to third and one, third and two. It's it's just going to be really hard to stop them with that option, um, that option attack they have. But one thing that we for, I actually forgot to touch on Tyler from the uh, Florida game because uh, it wasn't a huge huge issue. But one thing I forgot to touch about that I'll talk talk about now because it kind of relates going into this game is how much will South Carolina rely on Parker White to get points on the board. Um, in a game where, you know, again, you're not playing a high-profile opponent, but I just think this is the kind of game where you don't want to waste too many opportunities where you drive down the field and you get nothing and have to send your defense back out there with, you know, absolutely nothing to show for it on the other side. So, obviously, you know, we saw Parker White, you know, irregardless of what happened, snap was high, the timing was off, whatever, misses another kick. Uh, I think it was about a, what was it, 40? It was over 46, 40, I think. 46. Um, it wasn't his fault, but still, yeah, what it was, it was the... it was definitely a high snap. I mean, as soon as the guy snapped it, and it was high. I was like, he missed it. I mean, just you kind of have to assume that at this point. So, you know, I'll ask you how how apt do you think? What I'll ask you first, your opinion. What would you do on, on fourth down for you know if you were a South Carolina head coach from this point forward? And also, you know, do you think they'll they'll use him a whole whole lot, or will they? You think they'll get a little more aggressive on fourth down? Um. It's a good question. I think you got to let him keep kicking it because uh, if he's not going to make him against Walford, he's not going to make him against Clemson. Um, so yeah, I, I say let him keep kicking him. Yeah, I mean, you're I will say the season. I think if you're 45 or over, I, you got to think about going. Oh yeah, hey, 45 and up. I thought you were you're talking less about than like 30. And well, you, well, like 30. You know, I I think if you're if it's a even if it's a forty or more kick and you've got fourth and five or less, I think you've seriously got to consider: should we go for this? I mean, should we roll the dice? But you know, you hate it for the kid, but they continuously send him out there, and it's just it's just not working out. It's just it'll be interesting to see how they use him again. I just think it'll be key for South Carolina when they do get in the red zone, convert to touchdowns, not field goals. That's how you're going to be able to, you know, if you have any chance of putting Wofford away, that's going to be the chance that you had to do it. So, uh, moving on to the keys of the game, you know, Tyler, for me. Again, like we talked about earlier, just stay in the moment. I mean, obviously, we all know what's at stake the next weekend, but honestly, it doesn't mean anything if you don't come out this weekend and have an impressive performance. And I mean, obviously, if you lose, obviously, I mean, God forbid, another Citadel game, you know, it really doesn't mean anything. But 
you know, you want to come out, you want to be, you know, you, you want to have a solid performance. You want to have, have the fans feel good. You want, you want to build confidence in your own selves as well and, you know, continue to build momentum. That's kind of what you've got going right now. Um, again, like I talked before, you know, keep your discipline. I mean, just stay in, especially with the defensive side of the ball, staying in their lanes, you know, able to limit the big play for Wofford, you know, limit, be able to force them into third and longs, get Wofford into passing, which is something I don't think they really want to do at all. Um, and that's the way I think you're going to force mistakes and, you know, force turnovers. And then my final key to the game, Tyler, simply just get ahead and stay ahead. I mean, it's kind of, kind of relates to the first one where stay in the moment, stay within yourself, but for South Carolina, you know, you're the better team. You have the better players. You have the better athletes. You know, there's a reason that you went to the University of South Carolina and they went to Wofford with with all due respect. You know, go out there, prove it. You know, don't don't mess around with these guys because the, the, the Wofford's going to come in and want to kick kick South Carolina's butts. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, they, they have a lot of pride. My, again, Mike Ayers is a great coach. Uh, their players are going to play hard for him. And, you know, it's if South Carolina doesn't come out ready to play, you know, it could be a long afternoon if you get down seven nothing or ten nothing. I mean, it really could. So, you know, with that being said, you know, we'll move into uh, to our predictions for the game, Tyler. I think I'll let you I'll let you start this one off. Oh man, dude, you go first, man. I haven't even thought about this. Okay, all right. So yeah, my prediction for the game. Uh, so with this game, I, there is no line on the game because South Carolina is playing an FCS opponent, and. That leads me to saying I'm really disappointed there isn't because yeah, I wish there was every not. time South Carolina plays a team like this, I remember specifically with UMass last year. Uh, I remember the year before when the South Carolina played the Citadel. When South Carolina plays teams like this and comes into these games anywhere from 20 to 24-point favorites, I would tell anyone watching the game, anyone betting the game, I obviously won't bet on it because it's my team, Hake – the points take the underdog. South Carolina, you know, as big of a fan as I am, and I hope they prove me wrong. I think it'll be, it'll be a game again where South Carolina. The, the result is never in doubt, and it may even be a bigger margin of victory than, like, say, last week or the Vanderbilt game. But I don't, still don't think it's going to be a game where it's comfortable. And I think that sort of comes with this just being a young team, and this team sort of plays down to their competition. They play well enough to win. You know, again, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I do think Jake Bentley will get back on track. I think he'll have a good day. I think Wofford will have a little bit of success here and there with the running game. I just think with that that type of scheme they're bringing in that South Carolina doesn't see a whole lot, you know, even with the defensive talent South Carolina has, they're going to give up their yards at least between between the 20s at least. Um, but with that being said, I, I think, again, South Carolina will try their best to stay balanced, and I think they will. I think they've just got too much talent on the offensive line not to have a pretty solid day rushing the football uh, as long as Kurt Roper doesn't get in the way. So, um, you know, I see this one somewhere along the lines of the Gamecocks 34, Wofford 14. And, again, I say that, and that sounds like a big score, or maybe even 34 to 17, something like that. It sounds like a big score, but I just think it'll be a game where He's still, it's still just like an uneasy feeling going to say like the third quarter, maybe halftime score of like, let's say 21 to 10 or something. It's still kind of one of those games where it's, you know, it's not as as big as you'd like, but I think South Carolina definitely gets the win and uh, moves to eight and three and must champ will must champ second season sets up a huge, huge matchup next weekend. Okay. Um, I'll go a similar, similar line with that. I think South Carolina is actually going to struggle on defense for some reason. I don't, I don't have any facts to back that up. I just think it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, 
So I'll go Parker White. We'll make a field goal. It'll be a chip shot <laughs> um, to get points on the board early. And Gamecocks win 31 to 20. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely see that as well. That, that's – yeah. I, I, I want to believe the defense is going to play really well. But, again, you know, we'll see. It'll be very uh, – My Florida not scoring a touchdown prediction last week almost happened. Um, Florida should have scored I, a touchdown in that game. Our score predictions were pretty close last week. I'm not going to lie to you. Kind of even how the game would go. I mean, I thought I thought we were pretty on point with that. I think I mean, you might have said, I, I said 21 to 3. Oh, that's right. You did go bowl with 21-3. Yeah, I, I remember just – I felt like sitting there watching the game. I was like, this is pretty much exactly how I thought it'd go, except for yeah. the fumble that was returned out to the 24-yard line. I didn't see that happening. They shouldn't have scored a touchdown. I should have been right. No, I agree. No, I completely agree. <laughs> I mean, I, I just remember sitting there in the stadium watching that game thinking, this this should be this should be 35-10 to 10 right now. Oh, shouldn't yeah. it be close? That's the way I thought it, it was going to be from the get-go. You know, I was just sitting there like Florida is bad. Like I didn't think they were. I didn't know they were quite that bad. But man, they're the only bad. good spot I mean, on they're... defense is CC Jefferson, the defensive end. He is super good. Right. Um, it, it just felt like everyone else on that yeah. defense quit except for CC Jefferson. Uh, they they said the farther that Will Muschamp gets away from the Florida Gators, the worse their defense gets. So you know, <laughs> I mean, that's. Uh, it seems to be true. So we'll uh, we'll move into some listener questions here. We got a couple to go through. First one from Reddit. This comes from Gorilla underscore Power. Um, CollegeFootballNews.com is the Gamecocks projected to go to the Belk Bowl in Charlotte after an eight-win season. What do you think about that, and do you think it's better or worse than a trip to Birmingham for the Cox? Personally, I wouldn't mind a short drive to Charlotte. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I don't know any South Carolina fan that would rather go to Birmingham than Charlotte, North Carolina, or that would rather go to Birmingham than probably anywhere or anywhere within like Louisiana or just any of those bowl games. (laughs) So hopefully with an eight win season, it'll be good to stay out of there. Personally, Tyler, you know, I would absolutely love a game in Charlotte. Yeah. You Um, walk to it. I could literally just walk to it. Stick, but um, have you ever been to a bowl game, by the way? I've never been to a bowl game. That that's I kind either. of my kind of my resolution this year. I really want to try to make it to the bowl game. You know, I'm hoping it's obviously either going to be in Charlotte or maybe like a Jacksonville, um, maybe Tampa. But either way, yeah. I mean, I think that's you know, with with an eight win season at least, you know, locked in. I think South Carolina Tyler should be set up for a pretty solid bowl game. I mean, um, I know there's been a lot of different bowl projections. I'm not I even gonna, any of them, so I don't. Really yeah, you know. I'm not even. I'm not even going to try to get into them, really, because, I mean, there's like eight guys I've seen. I think almost all of them have a different bowl game. I've never it's been just to Birmingham, be... but I have heard it is the absolute worst place on Isn't – Birmingham is where South Carolina played UConn, right, in the Papa right. John's Bowl? And yeah, that's – Do you remember the stories of that and how awful they were? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No, trust me. And that, that was just an awful game. Did we play Miami? Freezing Or was cold. that last year we played in Birmingham again? Um, I think it was last year we played the Birmingham Bowl. Yeah, that's right. It was last year. Yes, oh nine and uh, and six. you definitely don't want to go like Shreveport. Like, no. oh, that's even yeah. That's no, I'm good. Bad. No, I think all South Carolina fans. And it's, no, yep. so I, hopefully, I think with an eight win season, certainly with a nine win season, you're somewhere in Florida, probably on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. But you know, hopefully, I think either Charlotte or 
even still potentially a Florida Bowl game is in South Carolina's future. So I, I definitely think it helps as well. I'll say that South Carolina has a fan base that bowl games, they know they're going to travel. Yeah, so yeah. It's, South Carolina fans are going to be excited. I really want to go so. now that I'm yeah. thinking about it. Yeah, no, I'm I, absolutely. I think we should definitely make that happen. Armchair at a bowl game. Let's do yeah. it. Andrew Stevens. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this one comes again from Reddit uh, at our buddy JS Hokey one. This time two seasons ago, we were a three and seventeen looking for a win against an FCS triple option team. We all know how that went. Thanks for reminding us. Uh, what has changed from two years ago to now that Gamecock fans can use to ease the potential stress of playing another in-state FCS team who is by no means actually a bad team? Tyler, I'll let you uh, take that one. So I was actually just thinking about this a second ago because I was trying to convince myself that Wofford's different than the Citadel, and my conclusion was that our our head coach isn't an offensive line coach. Uh, like Sean Elliott. Now I love Sean Elliott. I'm not dissing Sean Elliott, but uh, Sean Elliott had, as an offensive line coach, there's no way you should know how a triple option uh, should be played on defense. Um, so I don't, I don't blame him for that. But Will Muschamp is a just a defensive guy, and, and T. Rob is just a brilliant. T. Rob's absolutely brilliant, and he's. I don't think he gets enough credit. Uh, he is fantastic uh, coordinator. So that's that's my main difference. I think. You know, it's just coaching. Uh, this coaching staff is so much better than that coaching staff. I think uh, – was that John Hoke or uh, or Lorenzo Ward still? I, don't, I think it's still Ward, honestly. Man, uh, Lorenzo Ward's horrible. <laughs> so that should be your answer right there. You just have a better coaching staff. I think that can prepare the guys uh, better for it. Yeah, I was going to say you, you got a different coaching staff with, with a set of players who have actually bought into a scheme – and also another difference, with all due respect to our friend, he's a friend of the show, Jake Bentley is the quarterback of this team, not Perry Orth. So, yeah. with all due respect, again, um, I just think, again, that team was 3-7 and seven with nothing to play for, with everything going against them, with their coach just retired at the halfway point. This team is 7-3 and three with momentum, you know, positivity a in the program. To a lot to lose, So, I think there's a lot of differences. I'm not saying – you're wrong for feeling nervous, but I definitely well, think definitely there's a nervous. lot of – yeah, there's a lot of different vibes going around this Gamecock program right now than there were at that point. So um, we'll close it out with this one from Twitter. This comes at the M6078. Uh, kind of a couple of questions, so we'll kind of take them one at a time. First question, what's up with Tyson Williams? I want to answer this one because I kind of had the same questions as well, Tyler, but I, I think the biggest thing is Tyson Williams is just not a good run blocker. Oh, he's awful. Or excuse me, not, not a good blocker, pass blocker. Yeah. He's not a good pass blocker. And I think that's the biggest thing that keeps him out of the game. Um, and honestly, I mean, the way Mondin – here's the thing. It, it'd be different if Mondinson came in the game and just did nothing. But the yeah. way Mondinson's running the football, I mean, I think Mondinson just simply beat him out. As far as being a whole running back, I hate it. Williams has the potential to be a great running back. He has the tools, but you just it, – it's you can't stick a guy out there – you know, with your quarterback that can't pass block, especially in an offense where it is RPO and you don't, you know, you, you have the potential to do both. You, you have to be able to do both. So I think that's the biggest reason why he's not playing. Um, who becomes the receiving tight end to replace Hayden Hurst next year? Sort of hinted today he'd be going to the NFL draft. He said he's going to talk to his parents after the season, but he will be announced with the seniors on Saturday. Um, obviously, it's extremely early to guess, but Tyler, who would be your first guess to, uh, be catching passes next year tight end. I don't know. It's between 
Casey Crosby and uh, Jacob August. I think Jacob August is, is really good. Uh, he's shown a lot of flashes of, of being really good. Um, who's, there's a freshman that can't – Will Register uh, is another guy from Chapin locally. Uh, he's a huge kid. Uh, that's another one. I don't know if he's more of a blocking tight end or a passing tight end, uh, but that gives you Casey Crosby, Jacob August, and Will Register. That's, that's three pretty good options. And I was thinking about yeah, it today. I've- South Carolina's had some really good tight ends come through here. So, you know, I wouldn't be really uh, – obviously you can be worried a little bit because Hayden Hurst is one of the best players in the country. Uh, but I don't think um, we'll be horrible in the position next year. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's crazy. I forgot Jacob August was a junior. I feel like he's been at South Carolina for eight yeah. years. Uh, yeah, but definitely getting Casey Crosby back will be huge. Uh, he also mentioned Kyle Markway. Another oh, yeah. guy. Another yeah, another, I tell you what, the guy, too, that I think people are kind of uh, – there's two guys like, we didn't even really mention. Keel Pollard's another guy oh, wow, yeah. who could be a big-time player. We don't even know what he can do. And then a guy who's sort of a sleeper. Evan Evan there you go. The basketball player who's – I mean, they said – they they talked about him in fall camp. They just said he's huge. I mean, he's he a is. huge dude. So, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's it's going to be a battle for sure next year, but definitely – Jacob August, at least, you know, is the kind of guy. He's going to throw a block. He's absolutely blocked beautifully this year. I think that's why on a lot of plays he's in there and Hayden Hurst him because he he can absolutely just run block um, with the best of them. His last question, if Javon Kinlaw is a chihuahua, what breeds are Jam Williams, Mon Denson, Parker White, and Shai Smith? <laughs> I don't know if you can put all those guys together, honestly. I don't I don't think they're all the same breed. Um I don't know, Tyler. You, I, don't, I don't really know. I'm, I'm trying not to be. Uh, I'm kinda, I'm trying not to be dumbfounded. Rude here. Yeah, I'm kind of dumbfounded. I mean, uh, Parker White. I think Poodle. Yeah, Poodle. Maybe. I, yeah, it's kind of. He's a kicker, man. I think everybody gives him crap. Probably. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like what dogs are probably, taller than a? Jam Williams probably a little Rottweiler. I don't know. He's kind of everyone is. Everyone's smaller than Javon Kinlaw. You can't get around that. As much as I hate it, Mon Denson probably like a little bulldog. That's how oh, I kind of yeah. see him. Runs like a little bulldog. And then Shy Smith, I don't know. I don't know. A little wiener dog? I don't know. He's a kind of a small guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like these are disses. We're not trying to be here. No, I know. It's just like the breed dogs. of dogs. I don't and I don't know all the breeds either. So oh, man. I don't I don't know. Honestly, that I think that was like a pitfall question. I feel like Javon Kinlaw um, should be like a German shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking great Danes, what he should be. <laughs> yeah, there you go. humongous. Yeah, but so with that being said, before we wrap up the show, obviously we got a couple other small tidbits. One that we've got to touch on that we you know sort of talked about earlier. The South Carolina Clemson game has been announced, Tyler. It's a seven thirty kickoff in the Bryce uh, Thanksgiving weekend. I know everyone was excited for that, um, and still is. It'll be a raucous crowd. I imagine Williams Bryce will it. it I'll tell you this, Tyler. It'll probably be the best atmosphere that's been at Williams-Rice since the 2013 oh, yeah. Clemson game or maybe 2014 Georgia. But as far as a true night game, probably 2013 Clemson. I mean, it's, it should be an absolute packed house. I can't imagine, you know, how crazy that game's going to be. Um, so, obviously, we'll get into all that next week. South Carolina men's basketball as well. Their season is in full swing. The Gamecocks are 2-0. and uh, they were able to beat Wofford last week in Spartanburg in a pretty impressive win, Tyler. Game I was I was fairly nervous about at Wofford's brand new arena. Beat them seventy three fifty two, and then South Carolina beat Western Michigan last night in their home opener in Columbia, seventy eight to sixty. Unveiled the Final Four banner. 
Um, so, you know, Frank Martin's squad is off to a good start. Um, and they actually opened the Puerto Rico tip-off in Conway, South Carolina, against Illinois State um, Thursday at 11.30 a.m. ESPN2. So if you are going to be like me and be at work and on your laptop and you want to cut the game on, you should, probably should because that's probably exactly what I'm going to do as well. I tell you, the one guy, Tyler, that I I haven't – honest, I'll be completely honest. I haven't watched a ton. I haven't been um, to because of school, so we're yeah, in the same I, here. I haven't watched a ton, but the one guy that I've seen – that I've been really impressed with. I didn't know who in the world he was. Was Frank Booker? I, yeah, he's a grad. Never transfer. even, never even heard of the guy. And I mean, he he's just out there, Atlantic, right? Out there draining threes. He's got by far the most three pointers taken with eleven, but he's six for eleven on the year in three pointers. Um, he's got a six forty three field goal percentage. So I mean, you know, and he's played the most minutes. So it'd be very. I've heard I, a lot of good things uh, from from Kerry Rich today on the radio. Kerry Rich is, you know, is. Um, as good as they come analyzing basketball in Columbia. So, you know, if if he's impressed, then uh, I'll take his word for it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, by the way, Clemson like, is now the number two team in the country according to the college football playoff rankings. Clemson, ah, okay, gotcha. gotcha. We were talking about okay. that before uh, we thought it was – I think they actually – you know what, I was watching the – the Duke-Michigan State pregame, I think it, maybe they were just projecting that. That's, that's interesting. Oh, okay. So, somehow Clemson is ranked above uh, Miami. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely something we should touch on as well, is just kind of the weekend that was in college football. Georgia just got their – just just got got their butts beat. That's all you can really say. As, 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 uh, as uh, Gus Malzahn said, we really beat the dog crap out of them, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, really, no other way. Uh, to I think that saved uh, Gus Malzahn's uh, favor with with the Auburn fans because I was I heard on the radio last week. You know, they're they're super good, but they haven't. And Gus Malzahn's tenure, they haven't beat any really good teams. Uh, they, you know, they've just been decent. But I think that's a uh, that's a program win uh, for him at least. Yeah, Georgia. You know, in in the other retrospect, Georgia falls the seventh. Um, you got Wisconsin sitting at fifth at ten and zero. Oklahoma rounds out their fourth nah. nine and one. Obviously, we said Bama, Clemson, Miami, Oklahoma. Oklahoma um, could Auburn's, be pretty good. You know, yeah, I always give Baker Mayfield, crap, man. But Baker Mayfield is playing his ass off this year. He's a he, Baker Mayfield's a legit player. I mean, he might win the Heisman. Yeah, that's um, the Auburn, only guy I think that that's really there to win it. You know, it looked yeah. like uh, Saquon Barkley, but Penn State went to crap. Yes, Penn State is kind of. Definitely falling yeah, off. Ohio but, State's yeah, I mean, ninth, by the way, after beating Michigan State by 45. <laughs> Ohio State's just such a mystery. I don't think anybody knows what to expect. Well, yeah, from that's them, true. Um, that's about all I can think of. Yeah. I'll tell you this. What I was really – I guess I wasn't too surprised, but sort of disappointed. In South Carolina, even after beating Florida, the 7-3, and three, only got, I think, two votes in the AP. They, I think it they was, finished 33rd. I saw that, but it's actually one um, vote. It's two points. One vote. Oh, counts one two vote. Points. Gotcha. One vote. I didn't so, know that, but our boy uh, unless, Brad Crawford there for me. Yeah, I mean, unless a miracle happens and South Carolina is able to slide up eight spots after – I mean, I guess they'd probably have to beat Wofford 100 or nothing. I don't even know if that'd do it. Most likely, South Carolina-Clemson won't be a ranked versus ranked game. Unfortunately, I think it's kind of BS that South Carolina – I mean – with all due respect, they're seven and three. They're an SEC team. It's just sort of hard to believe, but NC State's you know. still ranked though. NC State's ranked nineteenth. Look at his college football and the latest college football playoff rankings are nineteenth. So, oh wow, know, it is what it is. So, oh wow, 
I Michigan like, State's I feel like your 17th. chances are worse if you go in there ranked against Clemson, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, just because it's at home, and I don't think Clemson's going to overlook South Carolina no matter what. No, I don't know that it really matter, but – Again, Boise State is twenty fifth. They're eight and two, but who in the world is? Did Boise you see State? what they did the other night? Boise State. Yeah, no. they were down twenty eight to three to Colorado State in the second quarter. They were down fourteen with a minute and a half. Uh, they score a touchdown, and the absolute best onside kick I've ever seen in my life. Dude bounces it over the entire uh, line, gets it uh, like ten yards past all the guys right on the. Uh, Right down the out of bounds line, dude just catches it right in his hands. They go down, force overtime, <laughs> score a touchdown on like the second play of overtime, and force a fumble on the first play of uh, the offenses, and wins by wins like sixty three to fifty six. Wow! So did Boise win or Colorado yeah, State choke? Won. Oh, uh, Colorado State definitely choked, but that was <laughs> the the best onside kick I've ever seen. I'm gonna have to send you a link. Wow! Wow! It's crazy. Yeah, we're seeing that. I'm seeing the Armchair Americans tweet now. Bama moves back to number one in the playoff. It's it's crazy. I'm telling you, it's it's funny. You know, people were all, you know, uh, just worried about oh, what's going to happen with the the college football playoff. You know, it, it, it's. I think it's all going to work itself out. So it will. Yeah, it, something it, crazy is going to happen. Yeah, something something's going. to – I like here too as well. Alan Knott tweeted 37 minutes ago. Man, we get no respect. LOL. So. Yeah, there you go. I, mean, I can't really disagree with it. I mean, yeah, you know, again, you. I know you're South Carolina and you're beating teams that are ter- you know, some of these teams aren't very good, but you're you're an SEC team. And you're seven three. I mean, it's just again, you beat you, you take care of business this weekend. You take care of business at home in Columbia. Get an upset. Oh, yeah. it, it, that'll take care of all all yeah. of itself. So, um, yeah. So. With that being said, I mean, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up. Again, the Gamecocks take on the Wofford Terriers, 4 o'clock. Um, again, if you do want to follow us, follow the show. Be sure to check us out on iTunes, subscribe, you know, rate the show, review it, tell us you like and don't like. Um, again, follow us on our Twitter account at Armchair S Car. Check us out on Instagram at Armchair S Carolina. And be sure to go to the armchairallamericans.com. we got a lot of cool stuff happening there, all of our shows, of course, but as well as the uh, breaking Gamecock news, all of our content there, our SEC content, and really all of the Armchair All-Americans content as a whole. So with that being said, you know, again, as always, I'm Chris Phillips. He's Tyler Clark. Tyler, you got any last words before we head into uh, into Wofford week? Beat Wofford. Beat Wofford. There you go. All right, again, <laughs> 4 o'clock in Williams-Rice Stadium. If you can be there, be there, be loud. If not, make sure you cut it on, check it out uh, as, as the Gamecocks take on the Terriers. So, again, as always, like I said, I'm Chris Phillips. He's Tyler Clark. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you next time. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-Month Emergency Food Kits. 
You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 